0: y'all. It's season three of the Be Your Own Kind podcast, and we thank you, humbly thank you, for tuning in. Be Your Own Kind's mantra is there is never an inopportune time to be yourself. In other words, be you without apologies. In this season, I will be presenting nuggets and interviewing individuals that are creating their lane and rocking it. Be sure to check out the featured businesses in the description box and follow us on Anchor, Spotify, Apple, YouTube, and pretty much every platform. Okay, now let's take flight. Well, hello, Juliet. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Like I said, it's a Monday, so, you know. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> thank you so much for uh being a guest today um I was Absolutely. just super intrigued by your profile um and that which thank you I had me reach out to you because you're just dynamic just from the hair and the profile and the travels and everything I'm like you are super dope
1: <laughs> thank you thank you thank you
0: yeah so um you do a lot here you are an educator entrepreneur you are an author of a book that I needed as a, as a college student sharing my right. college experience. Um yeah. what what college experience did you have that led up to you writing this book? So, first and
1: foremost, my college experiences have nothing to do with me writing the book. Oh, They're wow. like two separate experiences. <laughs> yeah, so honestly, I did take college classes in high school. So I I had like the semi-high school, semi-college experience. For me, it was it was a lot. Um, I tried to quit. My guidance counselor snitched on me. So the the head of the program, he snitched on me, called my mother, and they were like, let's all laugh together. You're not quitting. We're not doing this. You're still taking these college classes in high school. Um and I, I didn't really enjoy school. Um, I went to a predominantly Caucasian school. There weren't there weren't as many kids that looked like me, so I didn't I didn't really care for school as much. But you know, I went in, I knew that I had to go in and get my work done. So I kinda was just like, you know, I'm gonna get my education and be done. Um, So yeah, that was that college again, same thing. I was in to get an education and be out. I I didn't, I didn't participate in any sports. I wasn't on a step team like I was in high school. I didn't, yeah, it was very just be in and be out. Now, years after, um, I will say 2018, 2019, I was offered um, an opportunity to um, write a memoir about my life from a Christian publisher. And I, you know, I, you know, got in their proposal and so on and so forth. And I said, all right, when I have the money and the budget, I will move forward with you. And I think I got to a place where I was like, oh, maybe I can move forward with this person. This was months later. And I heard a voice that was like, no, you don't even know your testimony. And I was like, ooh. And I remember I was in my bathroom, I was standing in my bathroom, um, like in front of the mirror. And I was like, ooh. And the same voice was like, that's not the person who's gonna tell your story. So I'm like, okay. Okay, so and I feel bad because I never called the person back. Um, <laughs> so, so um, you know, I, I I really pondered upon that, and actually a month later you know, really all hell broke loose with school. Um, I was, I, I, I am officially a PhD now, but um, at that time, you know, that's when stuff got really tough. That's when my grad school experience got really, really challenging, right? And so later on that year, I was connecting with one of my mentees and we were just chatting it up about some of the people we knew going into to college. And I was like, that's it, That's that's what I'm gonna write about. And the nice thing is because I was in my Ph.D. program and and I was studying psychology, uh, it really gave me a very different lens as to the academic experience. And, you know, granted, it came with its challenges, but I have to say in my grad program this time around, I enjoyed it much more than I enjoyed undergrad. You know, I was going in because my parents wanted me to go in. I was doing it because I wanted to, and I was able to kind of craft my experience so it worked for me. And so I was able to kind of share those gems, but it really brought me back to like just you know, writing almost a letter or resource for my younger self of all those things I wish I knew because even taking college classes in uh high school that didn't even prepare me for college. You know, I failed like I failed, I hate to say it, I slept all through accounting that first semester. Um, I didn't make it, I failed. And you know, again, you know, you 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 think that you have a lot of those skills to, to transfer into college and you don't. And unfortunately. Um, college becomes a very negative experience for, for a lot of students because, because we're not given tools to understand our purpose going into college, to really understand ourselves to choose a school that fits with our learning style, right? To not go for a title, but to actually go for an area or a general field that piques your interest where you feel like you can make an impact. Hey, if, if I don't want to be a nurse, I still am interested in the field of medicine, right? So maybe I could be a dietitian, maybe I could be a nurse practitioner, maybe, Maybe I could be, I don't know, a fitness health instructor or something like that. So all to say, yeah, that, that was kind of the journey there. Very two separate experiences. <laughs> but here we are. <laughs> wow. Wow. I love it. Um, I
0: actually was expelled. Like I was on academic probation in my undergrad. Um, it's because it was too much freedom for me. Um, yeah. yeah, I understood why my mom was like, yeah, you're going go to go because I live in Chicago. Um, You're gonna to go to UIC instead of U of I. And I'm like, no, I right. got this. So I did go to I, right. and I got expelled in Chicago, like, because it was so much. Wow. It was so much fun. And the funny thing is, I was partying at U of I, not going to class at UIC because it was so much fun. I'm like, oh my god, so much freedom. They don't take attendance. Oh right, my right, god, right. and I was at the top. Right, right. At the you top don't know. It in high catch- school. Right. right. So I'm like, oh, it's just like high school. I don't have to do this. I don't have to. right there. You know what I'm right saying? There. And and looking back, I mean, I did eventually graduate. <laughs> um, right. Later on, I, I got my act together and got right. back right. Right. And right. to that. Right. But at that time, it was just like, oh, I could just I, I skimmed through high school. I
1: was mm-hmm. just not the same. And thing, you feel like you, you know? could do the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I, right. Even had, I even had a student. I reached out to the students I had at that time. And I had one of my high schoolers that said, hey, you know, um, what are some of the things you wish they they told you? What, what are some of the things you hope they tell you about high school? He was like, I just wanna know where the party's at. And I'm like, you poor thing. <laughs> you poor thing. He's like, I just wanna know where the party's at. I wanna know where all the clubs are, who who do I hang out with? Where are the coolest? And I was just like, you right. poor thing. But okay, okay, sure. I was sure. networking, I just wasn't networking. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> right, right, but I wish right. that I you wish know, that that I, the right right I wish I had that guy who was like hey you got to learn right. balance between right. work and because it's actually preparing you for adult life right if I right, go right, out right. on a Sunday night I know I got to work on Monday so I need to make right. sure I'm at home and enough time to be prepared for work so that, that that's what college actually preparing you for the real world you know in a sense you still kind of it's still kind of cushiony in school but right. it, it gives you like the basics when you get it, you know, absolutely to a yeah. Like so I completely uh, agree. I still wouldn't take from that. I still wouldn't like, you know how people say if I could have did it all over again, I probably would do it the same way so that I can help mm-hmm. the next person. Like, yeah, right. you you might not wanna you might not wanna do that, you know. So so yeah. There's a lot of
1: growth and I think there's a lot of growth and um evolving and healing that that occurs exactly. and I, I I think of the negative experiences in my life. And of course, if I have a choice, I'm like, you know, maybe it would have been easier if I didn't have to deal with them. But at the same time, I'm kind of like, will have, will I have evolved the way I have? You know, well, you know what I mean? Like you being on academic probation, how much does that strengthen your calendar beyond, you know, just the experience of, yo, like they just really saw me as someone who's <laughs> damaged goods at this point. Cause I'm just <laughs> parading it up. But it still strengthens your character, right? You have to go through a moment of, like, self-reflection. You have to really have a kumbaya moment with yourself, like, all right, sis, you've got to get it together. And you know what? That doesn't mean it's the end, right? You went back and you finished it. And, of course, as you said, it helps the, the next person because I think sometimes when we feel like, um maybe we had a setback or we fell down at some point of the journey it's like we're written off and it's completely over no you have a chance to start again you have a chance to continue you have a chance to pick up where you left off or or redirect whatever path it is to you know achieve the success you're looking for
0: exactly exactly and i think people need those real stories like it's nice for the person that went through the whole four years i think it took me six the whole four years you know and it's just like yes that's empowering but there's that students like us that went to school and was like what on earth? Like mm-hmm. <laughs> this is overwhelming. Mhm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. So, so that book Absolutely. is much needed. Yeah, that book is much needed. <laughs> definitely. Definitely. Yeah. So you, um, one of the things that, um, that drew my attention to you as well is that you're, um, Haitian American. I am. Yes. And I have. A Are friend. you? I know I have a friend, I have a friend that is American. But you know we're always recruiting, we're always recruiting. Yes, (laughs) she keeps me informed, she's so prideful, you know, of her culture. She keeps, she lets me know like the non-touristy things about, you know, about Haiti. And she's always doing like um, care packages and like, hey, if you can just, she's always giving back, trying to give back to, you know, her country. So as I was looking up things though, like I love that I have her in my life because sometimes online doesn't have a great depiction of other people's culture like I saw a lot about voodoo and I saw a lot about um Haitian Americans are loud and they have a problem with authority and I'm just like that's not my experience you know so (laughs) um so I love that you know what what do you take pride in 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 being Haitian American
1: Um, I mean, I think it's just, it's just our story of resilience, our story of, I tell you this, you know, the fact that we were the first, and this is something I'm very big about, Black History Month passed last month, and I tell people like, Haitian history is Black history, right? There Mm -hmm. would be no Black History Month without Haitian history, because after we were the first to get independence, we went and started fighting everybody else's wars, and they like to say that Haitians are nosy, but we were nosy with us, all right? We're like, we're not keeping this freedom for ourselves. You know, we're we're really wanting to see everyone else thrive. And this was even in the Civil War. You know, we dealt with, we took in uh, refugees, you know, uh, newly formed slaves, refugees from the Americas at a point, you know, after they'd gotten there. So for me, I think it's just those stories of resilience, really, it's those stories of resilience, um, seeing my parents' story and seeing the sacrifices they've had to make, my grandmother being a merchant, Um, And, you know, providing, creating a life for her children, you know, and me here for me, I think that that just speaks so, so many volumes. And I always think of just, it's, it's kind of like the sacrifices they made knowing that they may not have seen it for themselves right Right. i think when we look at our ancestors whether haitian or not you know when it came to the fight for freedom those who fought for civil rights those who fought for freedom you know abolition and so on and so forth it's like i may not live to see this freedom for myself but it's worth it because my children are going to see it their kids are going to see it and it's going to go down the line so it's worth it and i think just thinking about that when it comes to it to my haitian ancestors that makes me so so very proud i know they speak about voodoo and so on and so forth but it's like I think for me, and I and I'm Christian, I grew up Seventh-day Adventists, I believe in Jesus, and so on and so forth. But for me, I know we sit in, I know I sat in American classrooms and they taught me about Greek mythology. But because we have uh another religion that's it has similar concepts, right? Passed on from generation to generation and so on and so forth. Right. All of a sudden, it's like we're writing off this this religion and we're calling it we we're vilifying it to the point that it's like we're elevating the European ones and then we're vilifying those that come from, you know, our black roots. And so uh, again, and it's, perspectives, not me saying that I believe in the religion or anything like that, but all to say, you know, it, the culture is beautiful. You know, we have the best rice that, that is not a debate, you know, uh, <laughs> we could argue about every other dish, but we got the best rice. Um, our history is beautiful. Our music is beautiful. You know, and just it's the stories of resilience, I think, as well, you know, people will make judgments and people will make stereotypes based on their lived experiences. So perhaps, you know, sometimes at the end of the day, it comes down to someone's character, right? Mm-hmm. I could meet a Haitian person and I had a bad experience with them as a friend. I don't know. They stole my money. But at the same time, I could meet a, an Italian. I could meet an African-American. I could meet a Canadian who also stole my money. So I think sometimes people might uh create narr and I don't want to say create narratives because everyone's experiences are valid but I think people do create narratives and make these general assumptions based on their small lived experiences or what they heard from the two or three people. Um, but that doesn't encompass the full picture. You know, Haitians are exactly. resilient. Yes, we are nosy. You know, I know in my church, I grew up, one person is sick. Everybody feels like they're sick too. You know, we we celebrate together. We suffer together. We cry together. Um, and so, yeah, that, that kind of just all goes into what I'm proud to be Haitian. So, yeah. And I wouldn't even call it like nosy. I would call
0: it a community because that's what I feel like like now, like it, it just lacks community. Like I feel everybody, some cultures are just losing that community. You know, if you don't preserve your roots or preserve your culture, you lose that. It used to take a village mm-hmm. to raise all of us. Now it's like, don't tell right. me what to do with my kid. You know, right. I, I got
1: in trouble by everybody, the whole church. Right, right, right. right. <laughs> God forbid you get in trouble by one person and you don't convince them not to tell your parents you get in trouble twice. Right. And now it's
0: like this is my key. You can't tell me what to do. You know, right. like so I feel like we still need that community because we don't know everything.
1: We don't, you know. So um And I really, I really feel like there's opportunity for just I think the black diaspora, just black folk in general, right? Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, history has dealt us a really tough hand where it's divided us so much. Mm-hmm. Um you know, you have your African, your Africans, right? Then you have your African-Americans and then you have your Afro-Caribbeans, right? And then you have have your Afro-Asians, you have your Afro-Latinos, you have your Afro-Europeans, like they're, and unfortunately everyone in some way, somehow feels like we're better, right? And we also feel like the other groups think they're better than us, right? So if I'm African-American, right? And when I say African-American saying my ancestors, were slaves. I'm the descendant of slaves in the Americas, right? In the United States. I'm like, all right, well, these African immigrants, these Haitian Jamaican immigrants, they think they all that and so on and so forth. They think they're better than me, but I'm still going to rub in their face that I have my citizenship and that they don't. Right. And then you have African immigrants. You have um, those from the Caribbean coming in and they're like, yeah, they think they're better than us because they speak English and we don't. But whatever whatever I got land back home you know what I mean it's like when are we going to come together and realize at the end of the day our blood still bleeds red you know and this whether you light skin or dark skin no matter what level of chocolate you are no matter which hue on the diversity Crayola uh, Crayola crayons box you are listen we all you know you know we come from the same motherland and so I think especially when it comes to advocating for each other we really need to learn to come together and stop constantly feeling like our issues are so isolated and and so on and so forth and as you said it takes a it takes a village to raise a child it takes a village to really a village to really come together and support a human being people need people so I love that I love that and I stress that all the time even with the mass
0: no mass with COVID it's just right. always a divide for no reason right. it's, it's a distraction no reason it's a distraction to me yeah because as long as yeah. we're fighting we're missing things that's actually happening around us that we shouldn't right. be paying attention to you know Absolutely. so yeah so i get irritated with the little the little device so you are no, i'm with you yeah you're totally you
1: about that <laughs> i'm like, with you on that right
0: now understanding your culture is also a part of understanding who you are yes. um and i know that that's one of the topics we wanted to touch upon like what were some of the factors that helped you better understand who
1: you are and your purpose. I'm I'm grateful because I've had people who've tapped into my purpose. Um, you know, I was a children's choir director. I started at 15 and a half years old. And at that age, for some reason, the half in the 15 and a half was important. So I always include that. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I started when I was 15. And, you know, I, I remember constantly just trying to run from it. I was good at it. You know, I was able to bring the kids together. I was a a young kid but you know parents responded the kids responded and i i ran from it like i went to south korea and i was like i'm never doing this again and i prayed i was like god don't you ever put me through something like that again and then all of a sudden i get to korea and they're like oh my goodness i don't know how my resume was circulated or how it got to the church but now i got people coming up to me saying oh well we were praying for god to send us someone to teach the kids music and i'm looking at them like First and foremost are you asking me or are you telling me Second of all, these kids speak Korean. I speak English. How am I going to make this work? But, you know, I'm grateful because I still had people who were like, "No, maybe this is what you're meant to do. You know, maybe this is part of your calling. Maybe this is part of your purpose." And and as, as I've gotten her, um, you know, I I've taken the time to really Take time in understanding my personality. I have this obsession with personality assessment. So I'm big on Myers-Briggs. Yes, I love Zodiacs. I don't like Zodiacs for the horoscopes. I'm more of just understanding the diversity of personality, right? Mm -hmm. Um, I am not one of those people that if I find out you a Gemini or you a Virgo or whatever, I'm not going to be friends with you. But again, for me, it's like really understanding the diversity of personality and and what makes people their beautiful selves. And so I I've taken you know Myers Briggs. I I took the time to learn my understand my learning style and so on and so forth. And then you kind of look at those things and you're like, wow, I'm I'm not as weird as they say that I am. Or there's no such thing as normal, right? You find, that, oh, okay, I'm introverted. No wonder. I really need more time to myself just to just take a break or just to recharge so that I can do everything else. You know, I do like things to be organized and that doesn't mean I'm OCD, right? That is an actual clinical uh, mental illness, but that doesn't always mean I'm OCD. That just means that I might need a little bit more organization so that I can produce a little bit more. I can function a little better. Um, and so in doing that, I think I was able to really bridge that with all of the things that I was working on and it gave me a better understanding of myself. It, it helped me to better accept who I am, right, and and what I come with. It also helped me to show myself grace for those opportunity areas that I have, right? Okay, um, maybe. And and I'm I'm very much a creative person, so um, I have some friends who are like, listen, they see a, a bowl with five yellow lemons and they see five yellow lemons in the bowl. For me, no, I, we going international. I gotta we got sh- a store on Shopify. We making sales. We going global. We got all types of passion fruit flavor, passion fruit lemonade. Not even pink lemonade. We got passion fruit. We got all the Caribbean flavors in them. Guava, <laughs> all of it. Um, and that's me because I'm 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 a very creative and sometimes just always thinking down the line. You give me an idea, I've already come up with a three to five year plan, and it's done. Are we ready to execute? But that doesn't make me a bad person, right? But that also shows that there there are opportunities to improve there where. Sometimes you just got to look at things just the way they are. It's not always, you know, what could it be, you know, or or sometimes, you know, what it is, is what you see is what you get. Um, and so even with that, I've been able to embrace that. You know, that's an opportunity area. And I'm aware of that and I can work through that and I can navigate through that. And so again, when you think of your purpose and how you can make an impact on other people, it's also understanding yourself, right? Because I think what has worked the best for me in stepping out and being purposeful and really empowering people to be their best authentic selves, right? To live up to the highest standards of their purpose. What's worked for me is being my authentic self. I, growing up, I was one of the, these kids. I just, I had my own style. I had my own little swag. Um, you know, if you ask me, I was, I was so bad, right? Um, you know, I wore neckties. Um, I would wear my mother's shoes. Like, you know, when I was a kid, I probably thought I was a little baddie. Was I too young to think that? Yes, but, <laughs> but you know, I just had my very unique style, right? Um, and I was usually the first among my friends to do my hair a certain way or, or, you know, like just kind of step outside of the box. Um, and so growing up, you know, sometimes I had challenges where you always have people who kind of look down on you or they talk about you like you're weird or, you know, even when it comes to dating, I don't know what man would want to be with some woman with, uh, like blue hair or pink hair or whatever it is or hair that looks like that or you know even my glasses ironically I have an eyewear company but a lot of the styles that I sell now are the same styles that people were laughing me about laughing laughing at me for um so really it took me going on this journey of being saying like you're beautiful just the way you are pink hair blue hair green hair whatever you want to do big glasses small glasses you know you are beautiful just the way you are and so it caused me to kind of step outside just as I am. You know, I remember when I first started working at my day job, uh, um, you know, I was so stuck on like what they would think about my appearance. I had my hair in like a fire red and a honey blonde. So I went in and I put some kinky twists in all black so I looked professional. And I felt so uncomfortable because of course, we put in protective styles because we can do all these different styles with our hair. But I know at that particular instant, I wasn't doing it because I needed a break from braiding my hair or twist outs or whatever. You know, I did it because I was afraid of what people would think of me. And it really like it it irritated me. You know, it irked me like I couldn't wait to take the braids out. And I remember speaking with someone and I said, you know, like I have natural hair, my hair's colored. And that person said, "Oh, it's it's okay to wear your natural hair as long as it's neat." And I'm like, "How do you want to tell a black girl what what, what neat looks?" At that point I remember taking it out and I said, "You know what?" What you see is what you get. What you see is what you get. You know, I'm not easing it up on anybody. If you see purple hair today, you see purple hair. And if you see it pink tomorrow, it's going to be pink. And if you see a blue on Friday, it's going to be blue, right? I'm going to switch up the glasses. I'm going to, you know, I'm really just going to step out as myself. And I found that people actually will adjust. People adjust. And when they can see that you're really being no one else but you, they start to adjust. And that all tapped into me really stepping into my purpose and stepping into who I'm supposed to be and how I'm supposed to impact other people because now I have people who reach out to me and you know I I don't say much but I'll have people reach out to me and say, wow I really see this journey of this and I won't say a word I won't say a word I don't know how they figured out or whatever but it's like seeing how someone is really just being themselves. Marching to the beat of their own drum, leading with love and kindness and compassion and grace for themselves, and, and trying to be intentional about doing it for others. I mean that 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 grows on people. Yeah, and they want they become drawn to you, and and they become impacted by you, and they want to be able to work with you, and and so on and so forth. So that's kind of how it worked for me. I love everything about what you said because it takes courage to be
0: confident. Absolutely. It takes courage to be different. You know, yeah. um, I know we see you, you see people like, like such as yourself. Is like, yeah, I, I changed my hair color. I, you know, I'm, I am who I am, but you had to grow to that because it might've been a point where you would, like you said, you were at a, a job interview and you conformed who you were in order to be right. accepted, you know? And right. I feel like that, that's, that's those microaggressions, right. That we deal with, you know, I, I think anytime I've been in a, um, uh, you had me think about when I was in the interview, I always straightened my hair
1: i six always wings. straighten my hair six weeks <laughs> i'll stand by <laughs> yes always by. always
0: straighten my hair and then maybe when mm. i get comfortable in like after i after that probationary period is it i'll wet it and go like then, then it's like right. a shocker, right it's like oh right. my god like yes mm-hmm. i'm here now you know but it's like why couldn't i just do this right you can't
1: you're not getting rid of me right
0: <laughs> i, <laughs> I know the same thing <laughs> But it's like,
1: why
0: do I even have to do that? Why can't I just have my natural, I don't know what a neat
1: natural is, but like, my natural, what is that? But have my- I wish somebody would. I wish somebody would tell me something. And I tell them that. I'm like, (laughs) like I have have people who work in diversity, equity, and inclusion like I do. And they're Mm -hmm. like, oh my goodness, you know, I want to color my hair this, or I want to leave out my curls. I'm like, you work in diversity, equity, and inclusion. What are they going to tell you? What they're gonna tell, you? Right. <laughs> are they gonna tell you, can't, you. You can't be diverse. <laughs> right. But they're gonna tell you. Oh, your hair should be neat. What does neat look like? I still don't get that one. <laughs> Let, let's comb through this together. Let's go through the concepts. The theory of, of having neat hair. I want to understand. And honest, like people, I think we're just we're conditioned, right? And yeah. unfortunately, we're part of we are, we are also to blame for our own. We grew up, you know, learning certain things, or we're indoctrinated to believe certain things. And then, and that was another conversation. That's an honest conversation I had to have with myself. Like, how have I done the same thing to others, right? Tried to make them feel bad about themselves for things that I was raised to think that really wasn't true. Right. right. Um, and, you, you know, th- that's a hard conversation. And of course, you learn to embrace yourself is also being able to be accountable for those times you made other people feel like they shouldn't embrace themselves. But really when you ask people, oh, well, that doesn't, I remember someone saying, well, there's a standard, there's a standard for how your hair should look. I said, what's the standard? Well, you colored your hair. I said, but you color your grays, don't you? Yes, but the purpose is different. You don't know what my purpose for coloring my grays are. You don't even know, you don't even know if I have grays. You just seem I right. have big hair. You see what I mean? I think we're just conditioned. Again, we're conditioned to say certain things to respond in certain ways but we really we don't know the the basis of it we don't know the basis so i again you step out and it's it's an everyday process right mm-hmm. because when you're working through years and years and years of people telling you that you're too much or you're not enough or whatever and and you get to a point where you're like okay i can step out you have to understand that people are still going to give you that pushback right and you're constantly having to go to that place of checking in with yourself and mm-hmm. and regrouping and saying no i'm i'm good I'm good I'm okay I'm it's still it's okay my my best authentic self is okay and dealing with you know the insecurities or dealing with the triggers you know um and yeah eventually you kind of you, you take it one day at a time
0: right exactly and I never understood the phrase too much how are you too much for yourself and how are you not enough for yourself these are things that I can are be too all much the for time. somebody else, but
1: I'm not too much for myself.
0: Right, you're not ever too much for yourself, and and it's the it's a, the double standard for me because mm-hmm. black little girls, if they wear their hair down or if they wear their hair colored, they're fast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the other way around, you see like little little white girls with the pink hair, and it's cute with the, their hair mm-hmm. down. Oh, it's so pretty. But well, it's like yeah. you said, we've been conditioned that our hair must be a ponytail so that we can be, I guess, less seductive or less fast. Right. You know, right. it's kind of like right. we're being objectified
1: as girls from, from little girls up. Right. And if you think about it, you know, white girls have, and and this is not to take away their power.
0: But no, I'm You have
1: a brunette. Right. Yeah. Someone with dark color hair who dyed their hair blonde. Someone with blonde who went brunette. Like. And for us, it's like, okay, I have black hair, um, and I dyed it blonde or I went like Brown or I did whatever color. Why is it okay for them? But it's not okay for me. You know, or it's
0: the age limit to certain colors too. Right. Right. That's what I'm saying. So many divides and really Mm -hmm. this is just stuff we all grew up, grew up with. Mm -hmm. You know, I feel like if the, if your five-year-old wants some pink hair, Spray some pink hair in there. Teach her how to right. be an individual, because she's right. not. She should be known by her character, not by what she looks right. like or how Absolutely. she's supposed to express herself. We should exactly. be able to express exactly.
1: ourselves at any age, how we right live. You know, and I'm we saying? should also teach children to not bury their identity in others. And I think, unfortunately, that, that's what we do. You know, we're raised to bury our identities and. In our jobs and careers and mm-hmm. in societal expectations then we get married and then our identities are buried in our husbands and then our children's and in our children and we're not really we're not we don't there's no space for us to just be us you know there's no space to be like i am juliet outside of everything else that i'm doing um so yeah i think there's opportunity for us to especially little black girls especially like you are beautiful just as you are and you want pink hair yes you're beautiful is if that's your favorite color that's cool let's run with it you know but not always forcing them to hide themselves behind whatever expectation that society keeps putting on them
0: exactly and I always try to remind myself that being is a verb I don't have to put anything behind it
1: just being is a verb right there right there right there there.
0: so you you mentioned South Korea now you did tell us how you ended up there but can you share some of your your experience there? Like your your, your most I don't know prominent experience or favorite experiences?
1: while living right. in? Uh, the Korea Korea was actually one of the best years of my life. I will say that was the beginning of um, that was just the beginning of me finding myself. I would say like the redefinition of Juliet. I think that's where it really started. I didn't leave home for college, so Korea was my first home home outside of home my parents home um and so i mean some people might not understand it right but again like this this is that place that molded me um amazing experiences i think i just really wanted to go in and i wanted to learn as much as i could But I also, you know, I didn't care. I think sometimes we travel to places and we keep trying to bring our culture to people instead of just opening, opening, like having an open lens to receive who they are and see how beautiful they are. And so um, I would say those are some of my best experiences, really being able to connect with my students and to connect with other people um, and really seeing not only the things that made our cultures unique, but seeing what made us very similar. As you know, Haitians, we love a surprise. If you got Haitian friends, you know we love... We got rice at ice cream parties. We have rice at pizza parties. It's not a party, it's not a venue. It's not a thing if it doesn't have rice. That's what it is. And so I had this bias where I was like, nobody can eat rice with the Like, it's not a thing. And then I got to Korea. I was like, wait, <laughs> hold on. <laughs> what, <laughs> breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Snack too? Wow. Like, it. they love rice. Um, but ironically, I had students who I think when people think of American culture, oftentimes they yield to the European aspects of American culture um, and and they don't really realize that it's a melting pot. Like there are so many cultures in the United States. And I remember having, um, you know, we had like, I think they called it tea time. Um, and I was planning this particular uh, term with my students. And my students said, you know, teacher, I want to bring in some snacks or whatever. They said, I know you don't like rice, so I'm going to bring you bread. I said, what? <laughs> Say that one more time. <laughs> he said, you don't like rice, teacher Julie." I said, who told you that? He goes, you're American. I said, so what? what? And I'm lost. I'm like, Americans don't like rice? <laughs> what? And that's where I realized that They go by the, you know, in Europe, it's very much a bread pasta type of thing, but Mm -hmm. it seems that rice is not a big thing. And that was really a teachable moment where, you know, up until that moment, and a lot of my students, they only saw Haiti as the place where the earthquake happened. And I'm like, no, we like us some rice too. I love me rice and I love bread. Bread has got me by the edges. That is my weakness. Bread has got me by the edges, but do I love rice? Of course, who doesn't eat rice, you know? Um, and so that really opened up an opportunity for us to be like, wow, we have so many similarities between our cultures, right? right? Even the honorific culture, you know, respect for um, adults. That's one thing, you know, in Black families and in West Indian families, honoring your parents, honoring your community, honoring, you know, that that's a very, very big thing for us. And so I think those were some of the more precious memories that I have, really having been able to connect with my students on a lot of the things that um, we had in common while still honoring and celebrating each other for what made us unique. Um but overall, amazing amazing experience.
0: Nice, nice. And you said how many you were there for a year or
1: a year. Yeah. A year, I believe in like 2 months.
0: Okay, what made you return back to the states?
1: My contract was over. I missed home. Oh. Yeah. I'm sure I missed home. <laughs> I mean, I, the, the, you have to also understand different culture, right? And so while I do honor, you know, I think they're very hardworking folks. Um, I honor the culture, but I think from my experience, I, in my head, I said, if I went back to work in Korea, I would prefer to go on behalf of an American company. Mm -hmm. Um, And this has, this is in no way to bash their culture or to say their culture is less than, Um, but for me, I would have felt, I think I would have felt more safe where I, I just kind of like I had a clutch to lean back on. Um, but yeah, my contract was over and yeah, I came back home. Okay.
0: Now yeah. I find it um you are the second person that is an educator that has mentioned that they did not like school. <laughs> like they weren't really in school. Like I said, like you are the second, and I find yeah. that so like I'm like. Well, wow, I, I always imagined all of my professors or teachers that were just like had a knack for learning and <laughs> couldn't stop. I love to learn learning. now. Yeah. Well, I mean, so like, see- like that was their, their, like that, they,
1: they started and Yeah. Out it like, went, if you yes. see me now, right. <laughs> so if you see me now, it's like, when do you stop? Right. So again, I've just wrapped up my PhD and I have friends who are calling me like, just let me know what you're trying to go in for next. I don't even want to ask you how you're going to celebrate. What are you studying next? And they're tired of me. They're really tired. I've had family members who are like, Juliet, I think, I think this is it. it. I think it's safe to say you are done with school (laughs) and I don't respond because I can't promise that I love school. I do. Um, but years ago, I, I, um, I didn't really enjoy it. I didn't want to be a teacher as a kid. I will say that I didn't want to be a teacher. I wanted to be a classroom teacher. For a very trivial, very trivial trivial reason, I threw it away. Um, I think, you know, we had a day off, off for Super day, and uh and we came back and we're excited to, you know, ask our teacher about what she did on her day off. And she said, no, we, I didn't get a day off. The teachers have to come into school. We gotta come in for training. I was so turned off. I was in the sixth grade. I said, absolutely not. This one day and I gotta come in while these kids stay home? No, oh no, absolutely not. Me, I threw the whole thing away. It's a trivial reason, but in my sixth grade, I think I was maybe So that made sense. These kids are not about to get a day off and I'm coming in and I'm working. No, I don't care if we get summer vacations off. I want to bring this day off too. And I threw it away, <laughs> I threw it away. No, um, But yeah, I didn't, you know, I was, <laughs> and I, I didn't, you know, I was bullied at some point in school as well. Um, and then, you know, in middle school, I was able to find my ground in France. And so by the time I got to high school, we moved to a new town. And I did make friends at my high school, but I still didn't enjoy it because again, I was going to a predominantly white school. So I couldn't identify with a lot of the kids. I was sitting in honors and college classes and you're the only black kid in the class. You know, so when I got my relief was when I was sitting in, you know, the normal level classes were, you know, unfortunately that's where you've seen the rest of the black kids, right? Mm-hmm. They weren't placing them all in the higher level classes and so on and so forth. But, you know, I I didn't really care for school. I did my homework. I got things done. This is not to say that, you know, I was lax or anything like that. My parents were very, very strict where it's like, no, you don't yeah, have a choice. Yeah,
0: right, um, right. Bring home these grades. Yeah,
1: so I that. And I mean, again, even going into college classes, that was tough for me too because that was the first time I, I, I'd failed. I failed tests, I failed assignments. I started missing homework. Cause it's a lot of work. Mm -hmm. And um, I just, I couldn't, I couldn't catch up. And that's when it started to catch up to me, like, oh my goodness, maybe I'm not as smart as I thought I was because I was always getting 90s and 100s. You know, last time I saw like a 98 on a project instead of 100, but what happened to the extra two points? You're gonna give it to me because I put my name on the paper at least, you know? Um, So I think a lot of those things kind of contributed to perhaps the stress being overwhelmed I'm not feeling included, not feeling seen, not really um, caring for school. Um, And I think it was when I did my master's that I actually found how immersed I was in what I was learning. I was also working, so I was able to connect, kind of align what I was learning with what I was applying at work. So that's where I kind of started to enjoy my experience more, Um, you know, and ironically, I've never been want to say i've never been a classroom teacher because i was a classroom teacher in south korea that's where i stood in the classroom and i taught english um but i came back to the states and i said i don't want to do that and a lot of my students were like no teacher juliet you're a great teacher i said i don't want to do it i honor my father and my cousin who do it i i just like i couldn't in my head in my west indian to be fair in my west indian head i said i can't deal with." you know, high school kids and stuff like that, who got attitudes and stuff. And, you know, you, you can't let your voice go up past a certain decibel. Right. And, you know, I didn't want to deal with it. I didn't want to deal with the attitudes. I didn't want to deal with the stress. Again, another trivial reason. But, you know, when I started my journey of really um, educating and and, and that that was more on an individual level. And that's what I do. So I do private tutoring, but I really identify my students' learning needs. You create a learning plan for them. Um, and it can include their homework, but it's really looking at their opportunity areas, looking at their strengths, building on those strengths, looking at their opportunity areas, also tapping into their self-awareness. What is your learning style? How does that work? Right. They'll come to me and I'll say, okay, um, Hey, this is your homework. And they say, okay. And I say, okay, are you an auditory learner? And they say, you know, with the learning style. I'm a kinesthetic learner. What does that mean? Well, I'm hands-on. So what are you gonna do? Because you know you're not you're not gonna remember what I just told you. So right. what are we gonna do? Okay, Miss Juliet, can you repeat that so I can write it down? Of course I can. Or can you can we do this problem together? Sure, you know, because there's a level of awareness that I walk them through. Um, so that's kind of what i do more on an individual of course educating isn't just you know your k through 12. it's your grad students it's your college students it's training in the workplace right it's coaching in the workplace it's really equipping people with knowledge skills and abilities in whatever way it is i was a children's choir for almost 15 years at this point you know teaching kids music teaching them leadership teaching them teamwork teaching them how to listen to each other that all goes into who i am as an educator um, so for me, it's a little more, uh, multifaceted as compared to, um, you know, the, the, I guess the, the standard or the status quo. Right. That's,
0: a, that's why I said uh, that I feel like that's ironic that we have our thoughts on teachers just want to be like, they always yeah. were into whatever you, you're supposed to, you know, we have these little, like you said mm-hmm. earlier, these ideas mm-hmm. of people that are in certain careers, how they were when they were right. younger. And I find that. That is not so. Like, that's why I said I found that kind of ironic that you're the second person to say right. that. But I do want to ask a question that I didn't have written down. Um, mm-hmm. Do you feel like you being at a predominantly uh, white school, do you think that that somewhere prepared you for the corporate world or for college? Because it was opposite for me. I was in an all-Black school and then transitioned into like a, a, a predominantly white college. Right. Um...
1: I guess you can say it did. I think it 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 did some things um that helped me to kind of tune things out. Mm. I think I will say from elementary to like my first month in high school. I grown up. That was it was very well blended, right? There was no predominantly this or predominantly that. Your Asians, you had your Hispanics, you had your West Indian, you had your African American, you had your white, no one, there was nobody that was a majority. So no one really knew the difference. If, if, if I'm being honest, and even when I connect with my friends now, um, when we tap back into those, who we were as kids, a lot of us are like, we, we didn't know the difference. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, perhaps our adult friends may have disparities, but in your classroom where you're in an honors class and there's an equal distribution of every culture. There's no difference. Mm. Then when I get to high school, and of course there are those disparities you are targeted. It was, and there were very subtle. I was bullied, but it was very subtle. There weren't kids boldly calling me the N word or anything like that. I did see a white girl call another white kid, the N word. And I was, um, and I had to pray for the spirit of the Lord to just say, you're not gonna fight that battle. That's not for you. That one is not for you. You just leave that one. Um, but, But, you know, um, I think what, what happened is I kind of got this thing where I had to keep people at like arm's length. Mm -hmm. And so it was enough where I disconnected myself emotionally and mentally, where I see a human being, I see their performance and it's like, oh, okay. But in terms of how they feel about me as a black person, I'm never going to tap into that. And that's how I went for a lot of years. I went for a long time and it wasn't until George Floyd passed away. I remember sitting on a zoom call, they had a zoom call and, you know, a lot of the black employees from my organization came on and some white as well to just kind of hear the experiences. And of course, everyone was grieving at that point. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, there there was a white executive who asked, you know, tell us what you need. (laughs) And, um, I went on and I shared my story. I said, I went to white high school and I kind of realized that I, i I literally emotionally disconnect myself. So even with my directors who came in white male, there was a lot of distance I held from them because I just did not want to know. I came in and I was like, listen, I don't want no smoke. You always find me in my cubicle. I'm never bored. I'm always working. I'm always busy to answer all of the questions that you think that you may have the work's always getting done. And and that was it. But I always did that because I just, I didn't want, I did not want to have enough where it was like, okay, now I know how they feel about me again, as a woman, as a black person. Um, And I I was on that Zoom call and I remember saying like, do not expect us. You wanna know what you can do? Learn our history the way we have to sit in your white classrooms and not learn ours, but learn your history, right? Mm -hmm. From your perspective, you know? We don't wanna have to sit here and be politically correct. So learn it the politically incorrect way. And it was at that moment that I realized that those experiences I had in high school really kind of framed how I interacted with people in the workplace. And it wasn't that I hated white folks, right? It wasn't that I couldn't work with them, but I did, I realized how much distance I kept from them so that I did not have to have any perception and that I would not be impacted by how they probably truly or did not feel about me as a black person, so.
0: Awesome, I, I never even thought about this like how we have to just kind of condense or cut ourselves out emotionally when we're in mm-hmm. certain situations just so we can focus and do the job at hand. You know, I never even thought about that. It's, it's a lot of editing when right. you're out in the world, it seems like. <laughs> Yeah, you're making me realize that in this interview. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, so um, that that's great answer. I always wondered that because when I transitioned from a predominantly black school to predominantly white college, it was a little culture shock for me. My mom used to always take me downtown Chicago just so I can understand diversity and you know we're not the right. blacks are not the only race you know here, right. but it still was a shocker because I didn't have my mom, you know. So it was just kind of like, if you say something to me, I don't like, like I I can't, I know I can't be too aggressive. Like I learned this, you know, while going to school, like, oh, I raised my voice, but I wasn't really mad. I'm just loud. You know what I'm saying? But I'm scaring Mm -hmm. you and I don't understand why. (laughs) You know, so I just, I had to learn those certain things. And like you said, what we said earlier about the interview, like editing myself, make sure I have an inside voice. Like don't scare the people, you know, so um mm-hmm. it's just so many edits when you are a minority
1: and a woman too and like a woman and mm-hmm. and a non-white and there are times with my co- with my co-workers there are times i'm like listen i'm gonna let you talk on this call i'm gonna let you talk i don't know how to be politically correct in this situation and there are times i have to there are times you know i so often I'm, i've been better about taking time to just think before i speak
0: mm-hmm. but
1: there are times i don't feel like it There there are times I don't have it in me and I have enough wisdom to say, listen, I don't know how to be politically correct here. You know, sometimes I have people ask me questions and I'm like, you don't want the answer to that. No, I'm asking because I want to know. No, you don't. And I'm going to choose not to respond. (laughs) I'm going to choose, I'm going to choose out of this one. It's all right. Because sometimes like my, 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 my oppression and my suppression is not, there's nothing politically correct about it. So there's no way I'm able to wash it up to make it feel good for you. right? Right. Um, And unfortunately, you know, I try to exhibit a little, a little more grace, especially as a black woman. Right. I've sat on calls with who, um, you know, when they're offering their services, their costs are astronomically high. Right. For me, their costs are astronomically high and they, their policies that are in place, you know, you basically, you might as well give them 150% of the, the, the down payment upfront, you know, and they're very strict. But some people might be like, why is she so snotty? And why is she this? You know, I accept this and I don't accept this. And I only take cash and things like that. And when, for me, I have to take time to step back and say, that comes from somewhere. When you have to set that many boundaries, it's because people, you were not allowed to set boundaries. And that's what happens to us as Black women. We're number one, not allowed, right? Mm -hmm. And it gets to the point, perhaps we weren't even taught. And then people overstep the boundaries that we should have had. And so, what do we do? We have to overcompensate, it, right? right. Um, when we're having our services, we might—I don't want to say snotty—but we're more firm about it. We have to be more firm. You know, this is what it is. I don't take refunds, or I'm sending you to collections if you go over 30 to 60 days, whatever it is, um, because it—it it comes from a place of listen. I'm tired of people taking advantage of me, and I'm—I'm—you know—as Auntie Maxine says, you know, I'm reclaiming my time. You know, I'm, I'm taking my time back. And so for me, I've learned to have that grace for mm-hmm. um, for Black women, especially. I try to have grace for women. Um, I think, uh, and especially when you work in diversity, equity, and inclusion, I think it's challenging because you have to advocate for everybody, even those who don't like you. And mm-hmm. even those who benefit from the system that doesn't like you. Um, and I think being in this role, even watching, for example, the Emmett Till story, that was something I that really came to life for me, really like stuck to me when I watched the documentary on um, the doc series on Hulu. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, wow, you know, like that's where the Karen syndrome started, where you had a white woman who literally claimed that someone grabbed her wrist and everybody's like, oh, my goodness. And right. it's like they just lynched a boy lynched him like beat him up to a pope and you don't see him as a human being and even when we look at what's going on in ukraine right you have people like oh my goodness the strength of the ukraine the ukrainians and i don't take it away from them they deserve they deserve safety they deserve a safe space but it's like y'all don't see those those african students the same way we mm-hmm. didn't see they, they didn't see palestinians the same way right palestinians who were trying to leave and and find refuge for them their families we didn't see them as resilient and strong when there were Haitians at the border Haitian migrants at the border trying to make a life for their kids and and their families and and themselves you know it's not that they hate their country but they're looking for safety right. we didn't see them as resilient right we didn't see them as human enough so that we weren't gonna b- take whips and and be you know what i mean um so i think i think it's very it's challenging sometimes when you look at how the world is and how they view for example black women and how resilient we're supposed to be. I tell people say, oh, black girl magic. I'm like, no, this is not black girl. This is not magic. This is not a trick. You didn't see it. It, it wasn't a poof. And here it is. It's hard right. work. It was my hard work. Right. You know, it's, it's not magic. You know, I don't need to always be the strong black woman. You know, some people say, for example, when people lose a loved one or whatever, um, I will not tell my sisters be strong. I was, I'm I'm praying for your healing and I'm praying for your peace and your comfort, but I'm not going to tell you to be strong. Why do we always have to be strong? You know, and especially in the workplace, you know, you have to always just stand down while someone else is like flipping out or losing it. Um, and while it's unfair, you know, for me, I know I learned to, to share grace when I see the effects of that.
0: Yeah, most definitely. Most definitely. I feel all of that. Like I don't even have a rebuttal back that, because that's exactly how <laughs> I feel. <laughs> and I preached that so many times that I right. it's right. It's just exactly how I feel to the point where I'm kind of where you at. I just gotta right. be me. And if this is a if this conversation is going to veer us into something uncomfortable, then maybe we just shouldn't have this conversation because mm-hmm. I, I can't keep editing who I am right. because that causes stress and that that that's a toll on your mental health to Absolutely. never just be free to be you. You know, and then it's like, well, what's wrong
1: with her? <laughs> she
0: can't be right. Herself. And it's nothing
1: wrong. Right. It's right. like, I And you have to, to be my- okay. I've right. And I've told people, like people who've invited me to speaking engagements. I'm like, you saw the hair color in my picture. Right. And they're like, yeah. I'm like, you see that it's not black. It's not a dark brown. Right. Okay. So you're inviting me to speak sure. Cause I don't want, I do not want to step into a space where I'm not welcome. Right. You know? Um, and I think we need to be okay with that as well. Not all money is good money. Not every opportunity is the best opportunity. It's all right. Another one will come, you know, but if you're not welcome there, don't always feel like you have to squeeze yourself or abbreviate yourself. You know, I get it. Sometimes we have to do start from the bottom, work my way up. There's hard work and so on and so forth. But when it comes to compromising who you are at your core and your values and so on and so forth, it's not worth it. It's not at
0: all. It's not at all. Perfect. Perfectly said. Well, before we wrap up we have a signature question here if you are okay. okay and if you could describe yourself in one word what would it be and why
1: <laughs> one word oh i don't want to use the word crazy um uh, i would say i'm a conundrum mm, and why um I think conundrums are more based on complexity than being complicated. And maybe that's the word complex. Um, you know, some again, as black women, people, I know in my experience people see me as complicated, right? And I think I've accepted that. You know, I've accepted the terms of, oh, you're stubborn and you don't listen and this and you don't. And then in my my journey, I'm like, no, a complicated person is someone who's difficult to understand. And I'm not difficult to understand, but I am complex and that's what makes me beautiful. There are so many different aspects of me that make me who I am, um, you know, and I choose to step out as those different aspects and that's what makes me the most beautiful. So, yeah, the conundrum, complex. I love it. There's layers. (laughs) Absolutely. I love that. There we go.
0: Yes. You have like spoke to my heart because I I related to absolutely everything you say today. (laughs) Yes, I Remember did. Right here, it's our month. It's our month. We gotta ride this whole thing out.
1: Exactly. <laughs> Last month was our month. Now it's our month. We gotta
0: ride this whole thing out. <laughs> and exactly, you know, I saw the confidence in your hair color. Like I said that in the beginning, that's what drew me to you. I'm like, her? Uh-huh. She rocking it. She, she is she rocking it? Like this is her. You know what I'm saying? Like because yeah. I know like the things we've been talking about for during this episode. You know of how the little boxes that we're putting. And I'm like, mm-hmm. that is dope. Like. <laughs> Yeah. You know, I just want to have the color in my
1: students huh? Go with it. I mean, I've even told my students. I, I I remember one student said, you know, how I guess people were laughing at her because I think a wig on her she mentions, and they were trying to call her out. And I said, Girl, let them know it's a wig. You got hair. Right. And if you didn't have hair, if you didn't have hair, it's all right. I said I said, the next time they try to say, Oh, that's not her hair, be like, all right, what's your point? It's on my head, so it's my hair. I bought it. What is the conclusion of the, this 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 claim? It's not my hair, right? Now I want. I have the money, the means to buy it. Where are we going with this? Help me out. Help me. Help you, huh? Help me. Help you. And my student was like, "Really, Miss Julia?" I said, "Absolutely." You go back and you ask them where they're going with that. Claim it. Claim it. They can't let You can't. If you laugh at yourself or if you claim it, no one can laugh at you. You know, and I've gotten all kinds of comments, uh, uh, cotton candy. I got, was it a leprechaun I got the other day? I got everything I got, yeah, I got everything, but you know what? It's like, it is what it is. Someone was like, oh, I see you doing St. Patty's day and Valentine's day and one that sure. Okay. Okay. You know what I mean? Because when you, when you, there are some things that yes, they are offensive, are triggers. Right. And I don't want to take away from that, but if you embrace it, if you laugh at yourself, if you claim it, there's nothing anybody can say because it really speaks to people's lack of self-confidence more than it speaks to yours. Exactly. Exactly. And I really enjoyed
0: this conversation. I really, really did. Oh, before we get off, where can people find you in your book and, and your, I know you had a frame business. Where can everybody find you?
1: (laughs) Yes. Um, you can visit my website at Nelson dot com j u l-i e t t e Nuri spelled n as in nancy u r I Nelson spelled n as in nancy e l as in Larry S O N Juliet nelson.com i'm also on instagram as juliet nuri nelson you can follow me on linkedin um if you add me please let me know you on <laughs> this um be your own con po- podcast because um i can filter that from those who are offering marketing packages and so on and so forth um but yes uh if you go to my website you can access my book my book is there um you can access my eyewear collection and everything else that I'm working on so yeah
0: awesome 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 Juliet thank you for blessing BYOK for this hour and listeners I hope that you were blessed by this it it aligns with being your own kind and not letting people put you in a box there's layers to us all and we should be able to I, I'm. This is going to be so corny, but let's be biscuits. It's, it's right. biscuits, like, you know, it's okay. Because
1: biscuits are the best.
0: They and are. don't be a
1: stale biscuit either. Don't be a stale biscuit, stale one, you know.
0: No, you got to be that hot, fluffy one right out the oven.
1: <laughs> right. Right. A Popeye's biscuit. You know what I mean? There you go. <laughs>
0: And so until next time, everybody, don't forget to be kind to yourself and be kind to each other. (laughs) Bye.